This podcast is called The Personal Wealth Coach, and that's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm based in Salado, Texas. Now, the fact that it's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC approves or disapproves of anything, neither, neither does the secretary, whoever the secretary is, and this tape will destruct after it's listened to. You the dated yourself. This tape will destruct. Your podcast tape is about to self-destruct. That's why you can't find the tape in it anymore. <laughs> it already has self-destructed because it's too old. Right. Uh, being listened to on a TWA airplane on a company from a TWA doesn't exist anymore either. And uh, the information that we do present in this podcast, we get from sources we think are very reliable, but we don't make any guarantees as to the completeness or the accuracy of that reliability or anything else. We just do the best we can. The information that we're providing during this podcast is not considered investment advice. This information is educational because investment advice means that we know exactly who's listening and we can custom tailor all of our advice to them. So, prepare to be educated. Hello, and welcome to The Personal Wealth Coach. Uh, this is Jake McClure, and on and the line with me is... Jeff McClure. We're doing this podcast. This is actually the first custom-designed podcast, period. We've got some other podcasts that are up there that are recordings of our radio program, but this is free and clear, pure podcast, whatever that means. Um, today we have a topic for you. We're getting this question lots. Uh, how many times have you been asked in the last week, um, fill in the blank candidate doesn't win the race for president. The stock market market's going to crash. Should I go to cash? How many times oh, do you think? It's, I don't know. Quite a few. As a matter of fact, I've got some callbacks to do today on that very subject. Uh, the wall street journal's got a headline on there. What happens to the stock market during elections? Financial times is covering it. Kiplinger. The reality is that it's a little counterintuitive what happens to the stock market after a presidential election and what happens to the stock market during the administrations of Republicans and Democrats. Hopefully we can fill in the, the uh, gray areas here and make them concrete. Wait, did I just mix metaphors again? You did. At least I'm not mixing concrete. <laughs> <laughs> you got concrete. Well, the point is that not much happens as a result of a presidential election, except temporarily if the election occurs and we determine who the new president is. Traditionally, the market goes up. It doesn't make any difference who gets elected. Yeah. Why? Because the uncertainty is over with. The market dislikes uncertainty. It doesn't have a favorite. And this is a good question that I've, I've asked a lot of people. And this is my most basic answer to the question is to ask them this question. Uh, this is a hotly contested election, yes? Oh, yes, oh, yes. Um, and the American electorate is pretty clearly divided on who they want to be president? Yes. Okay. And right. who makes up the investors in the stock market, mostly? The Amer Say that again? The American public and institutions. Right. And they're evenly divided amongst who they want to be president. So in order for the stock market to crash, one side would have to be so afraid that the other side was elected that they would say, I'm going to sell all my assets at a loss. 
And we're getting this question from Democrats and Republicans. If our current president, President Trump, is reelected, don't expect the stock market to crash because we're familiar with the policies of this president. If the former vice president, Biden, is elected, and I know there's tax plans out there and people throw these out there all the time. They say, well, what about the tax plans? If he's elected, we have eight years of his policies under the Obama administration. And what if he brings back lots of regulations? Well, we had those regulations four years ago, and it didn't cause the economy to collapse. It didn't cause the stock market to collapse. And I think that's the point, is that uncertainty is the thing that the market dislikes. If we don't know who the president is going to be, the stock market will not like that. If we do know who the president will be, the stock market will be the stock market, which will be the same as the rest of us, which is to say some of us won't like it and some of us will. <laughs> do you but have even more? The, but even the ones who won't like it, let's just say that a lot of people were afraid that Biden was going to win and they decided to go to cash. And then when the market doesn't collapse after Biden wins, and I'm just using that as an example because most of the people who call are afraid that if Biden wins, the stock market is going to crash. But I've had the opposite as well. I've had from Democrats right. that if, if Trump is reelected, the stock market's going to crash. Uh, but I, let's just, you got to use one or the other. The people who got out of the market because they're afraid somebody would get elected, once somebody gets elected and the market doesn't crash, they get back into the market. And that's one of the reasons that the surge in the market occurs after presidents are elected is because people who went to cash get back into the market. Right. Uh, the one thing we have never seen in history, no matter who gets elected, is the market crash because somebody got elected. Right. It's quite, now, the markets are afraid of some things. They're very much afraid. Politically, they're very much afraid of some things. And we're seeing that at this particular moment as we as we record this. And that is they're afraid that there won't be a stimulus bill because the economy is unlikely to grow very much over the next year if we don't get a stimulus bill and get some federal money into it. Right. That they're afraid of, both the Republicans and the Democrats. Well, some Republicans are not afraid of it. But the Democrats are very much afraid of that. The other thing would be if for some reason other the Federal Reserve were to raise interest rates and try to clamp down on inflation that doesn't exist like they did in the 19, early 1930s, which is another very unlikely thing. So the important thing is whoever gets elected will want the economy to grow, and they're going to try to lead in such a way to cause the economy to grow, and that's going to be good for the markets. Right. Now, let me give you some counterintuitive stuff. Uh, at least over the last 50 years or so, there's been a consensus that Republicans tend to be better for business and Democrats tend to be worse for business. That's been the, the overall consensus opinion in lots and lots of surveys. But when that's, we look... Go ahead. That's more than 50 years old. That goes back, goodness gracious, 150 years. But when we look at the returns of the stock market, we see something counterintuitive. And this, this is one of the statements, this is a good way to offend a bunch of Republicans. What we're going to say isn't offensive. It is simply the way things are. And what we can say clearly here is that the stock market really doesn't care who's president. Under Bill Clinton, U.S. equities, and you can look this up. Uh, Ycharts has it. Uh, I'm looking at Kipling, Kiplinger right now. Uh, we're going to look at U.S. equities under different presidential administrations with their annualized per year returns, a Average. lot of averaged, averaged out. Uh, so Bill Clinton 
for his eight years in office, there was an average annual rate of return to U.S. equities of 15.2%. Under George W. Bush, now you got to remember that at the end of his administration, there was a big collapse. It really didn't have to do with him and had to do with banking issues. Uh, Just like Bill Clinton didn't have a lot to do with the balanced budget. It was prior to him that the rules got put into place. During George W. Bush's administration, U.S. equities were down 5.5% on average for his eight years. Each year, the average was 5.5% down, which means that the next administration's going to look good no matter what, because it was down for, for a while. Recovery looks great. So Barack Obama had an average U.S. equity return year over year, averaged out 13.8% per year for eight years. So when we look at that, we can see well, just with those two Democrats and one Republican, the Democrats did better, except the Democrats didn't do better. The Republicans didn't do worse. The market had a return. Bill Clinton was not sitting on Wall Street buying and selling. Donald Trump had a great return in the U.S. stock market. And when I ask people this, Uh, particularly Republicans, they tend to get this wrong. Who's had a better return on average year by year in the stock market? And these numbers don't include much of the pandemic. So we're not talking about a big drop or, or raise in the middle of this. Year over year, the three years he's been in office, the uh, S&P 500 U.S. equities have averaged annualized 11.5%. So we have a great return in the market for Donald Trump, a great return in the market for Barack Obama, a pretty mediocre return, bad return for George W. Bush, and a fantastically high return for Bill Clinton. The reality is it isn't the president that determines the return of the market. It's the companies that are doing business. It's the investors that are investing in those companies. And what that says is that over a long period of time, A lot of people were afraid when Barack Obama was elected, and they thought, for sure, we're going to turn socialism and capitalism is dead. And then a lot of other people were afraid when Donald Trump was elected. Oh, no, the fascists have taken over. So Donald Trump doesn't consider himself a fascist. Barack Obama doesn't consider himself a socialist. Our fears were overblown. When we look at who... What would have happened to the stock market had Hillary Clinton been elected? Impossible to know. All we can do is look at history and see that the stock market doesn't much care as long as they know that someone is elected. Uh, that's It's counterintuitive in that Republicans over a long period of time have not done as well as Democrats during their administrations in the stock market. But again, and I can underline this, if we get a massive return under the Trump administration, far, far better at the end of, the, of his administration than we expected. Again, he, he's made some policies, but so has every president. The reality is that the stock market is run by the profitability of the American corporations, not by who's president. And that's vitally important to understand. You can make some really bad decisions based on who you want to be elected rather than the reality of the situation. Does that make sense to you? It does to me. So, uh, and the average 
daily gain uh, under the S&P 500 for Republicans over Democrats or vice versa for long periods of time, it's fascinating. But the reality is that leading up to an election, when there's a Republican in office, the market tends to do better leading up to the election. The average daily return is about 0.041% under Republicans versus 0.004% in about the three months leading up to the election. The cumulative game, gain, irrespective of days leading up, for Republicans is about 1.26%, where Democrats is about a quarter of a percent. Uh, and that's just silliness. There's, there's no real number. This is very much like quoting if, if somebody wins the, the Super Bowl, what happens to the stock market? Well, they're not connected. The, the people that win the Super Bowl are probably not having enough impact on the stock market to make that much of a difference. And the same is true with presidents. There is a correlation for the Super Bowl. Really? There is a correlation. Uh, the old National Football League, mm-hmm. when it wins, the market tends to go up. And the thing is, if you look back at history, you find that it won far more often than the old American Football League. And the market goes up in more years than it doesn't. So since they both go, since they both are in the majority there is a correlation, but that's the only correlation. The correlation is simply the old NFL uh, is the one that wins more often because there's more teams and they're bigger teams or they're more seasoned teams for some reason, but they win more often and the market goes up in most years. Therefore there is a nice correlation between NFL old NFL teams winning and the market going up. And and I'm going to double down on that. The numbers that I quoted on returns for the stock market during Republican administration and Democrat administration we had 16 years of Democrats in those numbers, and we had 12 years of Republicans in those numbers. When you average them out 16 to 16, it's really not that different. The reality comes back to the U.S. economy wants to do well on its own, and higher taxes, people make changes about how they spend money in different tax situations. So it's, it's a good idea to remember that one of the best runs in the stock market occurred coming out of the depression. That's right. And there were Democrats in charge when we came out of the depression and the the actually best run on the stock market was coming out of world war two, the post-war boom. And the Democrats generally weren't in, pre- weren't in power during that period of time. They were a part of the time. Sometimes it was Republicans. Sometimes it was Democrats. But here's the point. During that time period, taxes were absurdly high. We had a top bracket of 90%. We had uh, Social Security being enacted. We had the GI Bill being enacted, all of which were, could be very easily be considered to be socialism. But the stock market boomed during those periods of time. The stock market is not going to be affected very much by any president. I hate to say that. I wish I wish we could have some president who could inspire us to make the stock market go up. Uh, Ronald Reagan, who was one of the more inspirational presidents we've had in my very long life, um, was definitely a leader. He was definitely inspirational, and he caused the 1982, he 
well, he didn't cause it himself, but he certainly participated in and was the cheerleader for the 1982 recession, the 1987 stock market crash. But it, generally, the stock market did pretty well during his tour of duty. He had really nothing to do with either one of those. The Federal Reserve generated the stock market crash in 1982 quite intentionally, uh, generated the recession to get rid of inflation. So there's bigger, much bigger things that drive the stock market than the president. The, there are pieces of the stock market that you can attribute their return to actions made by presidents. Not completely, but a lot of it. So in the healthcare area, after the Affordable Care Act, there was a lot of concern that this was going to hurt business and that insurance companies were going to suffer or that the healthcare sector in general was going to collapse under this new form of government interfering. Well, the reality is that government was already involved in medicine, kind of across the board, and this was a more formalized method of doing it. But you can see companies like United Healthcare, many of the other pharmaceutical and insurance companies boomed like they never had in, the, in their history following the Affordable Care Act. Now, that's not necessarily good for the customer. It's not good for the patient necessarily, but when you see absolute record profits coming in after in the stock market after a move that a lot of people would say was a socialist move by a, a, a fully Democrat Congress and a Democrat White House, the thought at the time that the Affordable Care Act was passed, and some people still call it Obamacare, it's all right, either way, whatever you want to call it, um, the thought at the time is this is going to cause the economy to crater. This is 20% of the economy. This is health care. What are you doing? The reality is that we tend to figure out a way to remain profitable. It, it is all of the individuals involved in the decision-making process. If new taxes are coming, we alter our methods. We alter what we do for a living to some extent to benefit or not be hurt so much by the taxes. This is one of the problems that economists have in trying to figure out a, a good tax setup is that you have to be careful because it's easy over time to find the loopholes because everybody starts using them. Nobody wants to pay more than they have to. And when it comes to the stock market, if you want to be profitable, again, it's the same thing with the taxes. Nobody wants to pay more than they have to for the things they're buying and nobody wants to take less than they have to for the things that they're selling. That's what contributes to long-term success in the stock market, is long-term good decision-making policies by the investors and by the people running the corporations. Yes, government impacts that, but it takes a long time to steer the Titanic. And the government of the United States is a lot bigger than the Titanic. It takes decades sometimes to move it. And we mentioned this in passing, the Resolution Trust Corporation under George H.W. Bush and initially under Ronald Reagan bought up a, a bunch of property that was devalued, and it was considered a, a, a very socialist move by Republican presidents to get that done, to get these bad, bad properties off the books of a lot of savings and loans that had failed. Very much like the collapse of 2008, Somebody had to come up and buy up these properties. And in 2008, the Federal Reserve bought up the mortgage properties. Uh, in, in the 1990s, the Resolution Trust Corporation bought up real estate assets. 
and then over the following decades sold them at tremendous profit and led to a lot of extra revenue to the government, which happened to coincide with the boom year in the economy, and we had a balanced budget. And that's the last time we've had a balanced budget in the United States economy for the government of the United States. And it had really nothing to do with who was in office at the time. He had just taken over. So keep that in mind. The momentum that we build up in a business, if you have a new business plan with a new product, if Apple comes out with a new phone, or if Samsung comes out with a new phone, and I recognize that they're not an American company, any company coming out with a new product that's already being generated, unless there's lead in it, and the government says, hey, keep this out of the hands of kids, the reality is that the return is going to be based on the products being sold far more than the current tax scheme of any government. I think we beat this horse pretty well, um, though we may get some activists involved over the horse beating that we're doing. The big thing to understand is that we are in a externally caused recession right now of some sort. Now, I know we're going to have some gigantic GDP growth this quarter. It's going to be 35% or thereabouts. But we're definitely running about 80% of efficiency, 80% of productivity, 80% of what we had before the pandemic hit. And it's going to take us a while to dig out from the pandemic. But on the other side of the pandemic, I agree with those who think there's going to be a boom. Me too. There will be a snapback boom, and it will probably be the beginning of a long boom that will last a long time. So whoever gets elected, we're probably going to see some good news. And they'll get to take credit for it because this yeah. is this is – kind of the bottom line of the entirety of what we're talking about. Regardless of how much actual influence a president has on the market, they get to take the credit or the blame because that comes with the hot seat. That comes with sitting behind that desk in the Oval Office, the resolute desk. Uh, it, you come there, you sit there, you get to take the blame for down markets and the credit for up markets, even though it has a lot more to do with what the corporations had planned over the last decade than it has to do with what you've been doing since your uh, hot little tush sat down in that, in that chair. Uh, that was really disrespectful to the presidents, wasn't it? I'm referring to a body part there. Horrible. Yep. Horrible. So that's the end of our first podcast. Uh, if you'd like to contact us uh, to ask us something uh, that you would like to hear us talk about on the podcast or just to talk. We also give investment advice directly to actual real people. Uh, you can call us. There's a local number. If you're in central Texas, there's a toll-free number. The, the local number is? 254-947-1111. If you're international or national, it's 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. Or you can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter there. You can contact us directly through the contact form. Or you can email us at jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com. Thank you all for listening to our first official podcast. We really appreciate it. We'd love some feedback. Uh, until next time, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach. <laughs>